Coming directly from the horseshoe crab capital of the world. Get a leg up and get ready for the hydrant. And now, the man who produced the Broadway musical based on The Exorcist. Your host, Jim Cooper. Hi everyone, welcome to the hydrant. Joining me today is Danielle Orsino. Welcome to the show, appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Oh, well, after I read your bio, it's like, I've got to talk to this woman. I just have to talk to this woman because there's so much going on here. Danielle is a fantasy novelist. She's written a series called The Birth of the Fae. Uh, the latest book is book six, Forgive Us. That's out right now, isn't it? That's out right now. But yes, we're going to be doing a retooling. So I've kind of told everybody, head back to Locked Out of Heaven and maybe listen to the audio book before uh, we retool everything, because uh, there's some deleted scenes I kind of want to go back and add, but it's all out there for everybody to read. Cool. And uh, <laughs> coming up to why she's a fantasy novelist is a whole big story in and of itself. I don't really know where to start with this, but let's just say you were in the nursing field for a while and started storytelling to some of your patients and that kind of grew into the books yes i had a patient who i grew close with it our it was weird our our origin stories if you will take the superhero route uh you know kind of matched uh he was my first stick he had just started his treatment it was my first day of work it was just one of those where we were kind of walking down the road side by side and eventually he just didn't want to do it. He was being treated for Lyme disease. I'm not breaking mm. any HIPAA laws. Uh, and he just didn't want to do it anymore. He'd been there. Uh, he was being treated very aggressively, dripping IV every single day. Christmas, New Year's didn't matter. And after a while, he was like, look, I uprooted my life. I don't want to do this anymore. So he was like, uh, keep me in the chair. So from there, we started a conversation with, tell me something interesting about yourself. And it just turned into, I was recruited by the CIA out of college. And I'm like, how did I not hear this story? And, you know, because it's something that you think would have come up with everything we had discussed. And right. from there, it just spun into, we went down the rabbit hole of conspiracy theories, UFOs, you name it, we went down that hole. And by the end of it, the conversation turned into, well, you know where Lyme disease really comes from. And once again, we went down to the Plum Island theory and all this. And for some reason, out of my mouth came, no, the Fae. I was not reading any books about the Fae. I was on my vampire kick. And he was like, well, who are the Fae? And then he got me. And for a second, I just stopped and went, you know, angels. And he was like, what? And I'm like, yeah, that's it. Angels that can't go home. And he was like, okay. And I'm like, but you know, a CIA agent undercover like yourself, you know all about them. And he was like, what? And I just turned into this whole role playing that he was a CIA agent who was sent this Lyme disease clinic in Westchester County to find out if the nurse was a fey human hybrid, you know, and I just started spinning this story and he just sat back and was like, oh yeah, because I put him in the story. And from there, every time he sat down, I tell him like another bit of it. And, and he forgot all it, about the treatment at that point because yeah, he was he so was immersed like, in what you were telling. He was kind of like, if you're willing to, to spin this tale and spit this crap out, I'm going to listen. And there were days that he was the protagonist. He was this CIA agent undercover. And then there were days that I would tell him about the angels and how they became the Fae. And I kept kind of just spinning this tale and going back and forth. And he listened. And we just 
kind of had this conversation. I switched my hours so I would be there because he decided that because he didn't want to drip anymore, instead of dripping every single day, the way he worked it out was he would drive five hours because he was from Pennsylvania, five hours, drip for two, turn around and go home on a Wednesday and then come back and drip Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, turn around and go home. So I switched that I would be there on Wednesdays because I was working with the doctor. I would stay late and just sit and talk to him. And then I was there on the weekends because that was my normal shift. So I was there to kind of entertain. And that's what I did. And he was the major driving force of go home and write this down. So at this at this point, were you did you dive into the whole cosplay thing where you started dressing like the characters or did that come down the road. I was cosplaying before that. I was a nerd well before that. I was running around as Wonder Woman and Poison Ivy and doing that. I was doing that well before this, enough that I had was invited to be on a television show called um, International uh, Beauty. It was some like game show, you know, for like beauty salons. And I was already guesting on that. And I was dressing up enough that like I was worried my patients were going to see me. And they did. And they were just like, did you see like Nurse Danny, you know, dressed up? And so I was already doing all of that. I hadn't thought yet. I didn't think I was going to write a book. So the idea of me dressing up as my characters hadn't even blossomed into my head. Like I said, I was still running around New York Comic Con as Catwoman. (laughs) You know, I didn't even think that, you know, I had a mallet made for Harley and I was doing all that stuff. So it wasn't even a thought that this would blossom into what it was, what it would be. But then it it from there, once you started writing these books down, which became the Birth of the Fae series, mm-hmm. you started saying, well, wait a minute, I can dress up these characters and hey, let me pose for the cover of the books. Uh, that didn't, it, it was very funny when I, when I did cosplay as the characters, I did it because as I was writing, I was like, well, what would they wear? Would they wear a cape? Things like that. So I did the photo shoot just for me first, just to be like, what do the characters look like? So I did that photo shoot, not thinking this would turn into anything. And then uh, my my second publisher, my former publisher, Four Horsemen, uh, I had a whole cover play like ready to go, which was just typeset. And then they saw the pictures and they were like, well, what are you doing with the pictures? I'm like, I, I don't know. They were just publicity shots. They decided to put me on the cover. And that's where the covers came out. That was not me thinking, oh, one day I'll be on my covers. No, that was like (laughs) furthest thing from my mind because I had never seen, you know, all the covers I'd seen fantasy wise, it was just a dragon. And there was like a, you know, a boot and a sword like in somebody's hand. You never saw the whole person, much less an author on the cover. And I was like, yo, I'm not 20 years old. So who's going to want to see my, you know, my face on a cover. (laughs) And so I didn't even think it was a possibility. And then it happened and the cosplay community actually rallied around and was like, one of our own is doing this. Like, let's let's make this into something. And it was really cool. But I'm still running around Javits Center dressed as Wonder Woman or Harley Quinn, like skipping around, you know, playing like the circus theme song in my head. I'm still doing that. I have not made an appearance really at any of the cons as my characters, because there's still, I think, some self-consciousness involved of just like what if i show up as aurora and people are like who the heck are you are you right whereas wonder woman there's wonder woman or poison ivy they'd know immediately who it was yeah they know me you know i show up as desdemona and they're just like huh so yeah it's still there (laughs) That's, that's outrageous now 
having set the stage for all this, let's take a 180-degree turn. You are also a 1999 World Martial Arts Hall of Fame inductee. You are a martial artist with scads of awards and competitions that you've done. And this is like a whole different side of your life. And the the story of how you came into that, which we're not going to go into the whole thing because it's mm-hmm. it's long. But if anyone's interested, listen to this podcast. It's it's Jeremy Lesniak's Whistle Kick Martial Arts Radio. Danielle did an episode with him. And it is a fascinating story. It is just absolutely wild. You did this as what kind of like a dare from your dad because you wanted to like yeah. go out of town for something mm-hmm. and getting a yellow belt. Yeah. My dad just was, I wanted to go to new Orleans with my girlfriend. My dad was like, yeah, not going to happen with my 18 year old kid. So he was just like, you get your yellow belt. We can talk. And I'm like, okay. And uh, yeah, I walked in and turned my uh, first Taekwondo instructors world, Mr. McLaughlin upside down and uh, showed everybody what not to do your first class. It was like, if you could have taped it, and made that a reality show, it, it, it would have worked. It just was everything you don't do. It was a long road for you, but you you got there, obviously, with all the medals and championships and that kind of thing. Oh, yeah, he was 100% right. But d- don't get me wrong. I gave that man most of his gray hair. When I went in there, there was no gray hair. When I left, oh, tons of it, tons of it. And he will tell you that. I mean, I gave his son a black eye two days before Thanksgiving. And the best story was like, he apparently was at Thanksgiving dinner with all his family and his son was like, you know, everybody was like, who gave you this black eye? And he was like, Danny did, Danny did. And his son was a black belt. And he was like, and so finally my instructor was like, and tell him who Danny is. Like he he held him in as long as he could. And finally he was like, explain who Danny is. And my instructor was like, Danny's five foot one and a hundred pounds soaking wet. He's like, that's who gave him the black eye. But he let his son go for like the longest time. He's like, yeah, yeah, Danny gave it to me sparring, you know? And he, cause, and I, I don't even remember, like it was just one of those moments where I did it and I was like, I just gave my instructor son, I just hit him. Like, I'm gonna die now, you know? It was like that. <laughs> but yeah, I, I did things to, I still think about some of the stuff I got away with. And I'm like, oh my God, I really, like I stuffed his, I think when he, I think when he turned 45, I stuffed his locker full of Depends. And like I did, I put a walker in there. I did stuff that I'm like, I really deserve to get my butt kicked. And yeah, how but, uh, I did uh, not. A lot of that is is exacting revenge because after the description of the very first tournament oh, yeah. you went to without him even telling you you were going to the tournament and then yes. just throwing you in there and it's like go do this and then then all the things he forgot to tell you through that whole story and again you've got to go to yes. jeremy lesniak's episode to hear all this my first jock strap yes yeah, exactly <laughs> we, we had a very a very tumultuous back and forth relationship that it's i look at it now very fondly uh, but yes, it was at the it, time. It was, it was a lot, <laughs> and of course, the, the the infamous story of you and your friend in New Orleans and breaking mm-hmm. that guy's finger because he was attacking you. It was like, oh my god! Yep. <laughs> you could make a movie just on your life. I mean, it would be outrageous. 
Oh yeah, there's there's been jokes of I should have like you know the everybody hates Chris. They were like they should really do as the black belt knots because it's just some of the stuff that I did. You know, I mean, even when I when the guy grabbed my friend and after I did like when he started walking away with her, I sat there going, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, for like a good 10, 13 seconds of just okay, okay, okay. What do I do? And the what way do I, I got in front of him was like, stop. It was just this Bugs Bunny like. <laughs> you know, you just kind of sit there and you, in your head, when you're a martial artist, do you think the first time you're going to use it, it's going to be this like ninja, you know, Bruce Lee kind of thing. And I can tell you there was flop sweat involved. There was nothing like Wonder Woman-y. It was just me going, okay, okay. And like, I saw the finger and all I remembered was McLaughlin being like, you know, the weakest point of the grip, and this is what he showed me. So for all the one steps and all the great moves I learned, I broke a pinky. That was it. That, and then I pushed. I, sh I didn't, I can't even tell you, like, I put my hips into it and I did all this grip. I just shoved like a little girl, like my hands kind of flopped <laughs> forward. And then I looked at my friend and she was like, what next? I was like, I didn't learn the next move. Run. <laughs> that was it. That was my big, like, Wonder Woman moment. And... <laughs> After that, did I have other moments where I was like, yeah, I'm cool. Yes. But, you know, after that, you kind of then you start getting the false sense of security where you really believe you're Wonder Woman. That gets you in a lot of trouble. Well, that um, one I, incident in New Orleans got you a lot of trouble because he came back at you and said that was the dumbest thing you could possibly have done. Oh, yes. I got in a lot of trouble. I got in a lot of trouble for that. The next time I really used it, I hit a guy in a club. And then I stood there to, to egg him on. And I remember the bouncer picking me up by the back of my shirt and dragging me like out. And I happened to know the bouncer. And I was like, okay, are you kicking me out? And he's like, no, the guy's got has to be known now is, you know, the guy who got, you know, kicked by the Smurf. He's like, no. But when I got home, my dad was waiting for me. Like the light went on like Batman. And he's like, anything happened tonight? And I'm like, uh, and he's like, did you hit somebody? And I'm like, okay, so here's what happened, dad. And I'm like, I was on the dance floor. I told the guy a couple times, leave me alone. He came up behind me and grabbed my chest. So I turned around, took the palm heel and hit him in the jaw. And I'm waiting for my dad to be like, good job. My dad lectured me. And he's like, he could have had friends. He could have been waiting at your car. This was so stupid of you. And then I got to my school the next day and McLaughlin was waiting for me. <laughs> and I was like, and all I saw him was gearing up, putting his big, he had these big pillow never forget them they look like marshmallow gloves and i uh -huh. just saw him and i walked in i went oh god and he goes so anything happened last night and i'm just like <laughs> and i just went i should get my equipment he goes yes you should and i just started gearing up he goes oh don't put headgear on yeah and i'm like yep and i just threw it aside like what was i even thinking like stupid <laughs> me and he was like so what happened and I explained the same thing. I was like, I came up, grabbed my chest. And he goes, uh-huh. And was there a bouncer around? I'm like, well, well, yeah. yeah. But I, what was I supposed to do? Walk up with the guy holding my chest and be like, excuse me, I have a growth. And he was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Was there, was there anybody? And he just starts lecturing me. And the next thing I know, it's a half hour of sparring, me getting my butt kicked about how you're not Wonder Woman, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And every time he got hit, you had to say, thank you, sir. Nice technique, good skill. And that was just a half hour of me just, thank you, sir. May I have another? Thank you, sir. May I have another? Yes, I've learned my lesson. 
so yeah we had a, we have a very interesting dynamic and <laughs> that could probably be made into a sitcom right now of just the lessons i've learned reality but, ain't yeah. the karate kid no it's so far that's why i watch cobra kai and people are like oh it's like cobra kai. i'm like no no it's not like cobra kai no. I'm like, look i appreciate what the karate kid did for martial arts it is so far from reality not mr miyagi he was not miyagi at all no it was, no he's not johnny it's none of that we're not that at all he so, was more terminator than miyagi i think he was terminator and he'd laugh as he hit you <laughs> he would actually tell you i'm gonna hit you in your ribs i'm gonna go right by you hit you right there and i'm like here it comes like there's no defending it he it's coming you know it and then he'd be like i wouldn't squint don't flinch and there it was and you were just like Ugh. okay nice nice shot sir thank you sir and i'm good deal with it so if you're thinking of getting into martial arts boys and girls Think about say, talk to her and think about it twice, okay? Because it's, it's the best not, thing for you, though. <laughs> obviously, it was because it it, yeah. it kind of turned you around a little bit and put you on a different path than you were heading down before. I don't know what I'd be doing. I really don't. It was it was the best thing for me. Uh, I'm, I'm grateful to everybody. It got me. There's things I would never have expected to do with my life had it not been for martial arts. So I'm very, very grateful for it. It's just, yes, there's comical things that have happened that I couldn't write. I couldn't have imagined. Right. All right. Let me ask you some of these goofy questions that I put, that I torture everyone with and uh, see where we go from there. You got it. Since we've talked about this already, who would play you in a movie about your life? Oh, um, I, I don't know. Uh, maybe a couple of years ago, uh, people used to tell me Jennifer Love Hewitt and I look similar. Maybe somebody like that. That would work. That'd be cool. Okay. What is something, and this is a stupid question. Why am I asking this? What is something you are obsessed with? Um, I, Wonder Woman and the Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> That's what I figured was coming. <laughs> what song should play every time you walk into a room? Show me what you got, little mama by Jay-Z. Are your feet the same size? I believe so. I've never had it technically measured, but I think they're the same size. Okay. We, we get about 50-50 on that. So it's, really? It's like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. What movie makes you laugh no matter how many times you've seen it? The Hangover, part one. <laughs> Every time. It gets me. Yep. What breed of dog would you be? I have a Yorkie and he's a scrapper. Yorkies are scrappers. Nobody believes me, but my little guy, Carlos, is a scrapper. So I'm going to say Yorkie. Okay. I'd buy that. What food will you absolutely not under any circumstances eat? Mayonnaise. Oh. You and my wife. And just, oh, and can't do it. Yeah. What Looney Tunes character best represents you? Oh, my gosh. Um, hmm, that's a really good one. I would have to say I'm kind of torn between Daffy Duck and Gossamer. Yeah, D Daffy was the first one that popped in my head, but you've made a good point with, with Gossamer. I'm, yeah. Yeah. Monsters are such interesting people. <laughs> a great scene, too. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
What's your favorite curse word? Oh, I can say it? Absolutely. Fuck. Yeah, that seems to be the most popular. Yep. And we, we've had some offs that have been pretty out there, but that seems to be the most popular. That's a good one. <laughs> mm -hmm. If you were in ice cream flavor, what would you be? That's a really good question. Uh, you know what? I'm a little, I'm a little plain in that sense on what I like, but what flavor I would be. Yeah. I'd be a mishmash. I'd probably be like a Rocky road, just a lot of stuff thrown in. Where I would have gone. What about the opposite sex confuses you the most? Oh my gosh. Um, pick one. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I, it's, I, I think they think they're being clear, but they're not. I think that's what kind of gets me is like, I have to sit there and explain communication sometimes. <laughs> Seems to be a common theme. Yeah. What's well, one thing you do not want to hear on a date? What I don't want to hear on a date? What do you want to do? <laughs> not planned. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Okay. Let's go into like an either or kind of thing. Well, I'll give you two things. You just tell me what your preference is. We'll shotgun through this. Bananas or watermelon? Watermelon. Flintstones or the Jetsons? Ooh, Flintstones. Toilet paper over or under? Well, my husband and I argue about this. I go under. Then he yells at me because the dogs play with it. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> air guitar or air drums? Guitar. Two Reese's cups or half gallon of ice cream? Oh, Reese's cups. I may get in trouble for this one. Cato or Neo? Cato. I figured. Wouldn't I have Neo without Cato. I know. I, I couldn't even come up with a better alternative to Cato. I mean, it's the best I could come up with. And it's just like, it's not going to work. The original. <laughs> right. Uh, notorious or unnoticed? Notorious. Which superpower would you rather have, invisibility or shape-shifting? Shape-shifting. Would you rather give up your cell phone for a month or bathing for a month? Cell phone. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Would you rather live in a haunted castle or an abandoned train station? Haunted castle. Would you rather have to eat only liver for the rest of your life or be forced to watch an episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians every day? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. That's really difficult. Oh, dear. Every day for the rest of my life I have yep. to watch the Kardashians? Yep. Or yep. eat liver, and liver's the only thing I can eat? The only thing you can eat. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Oh, but then I have to give up chocolate. Oh, God, I'll have to watch the Kardashians, but it's, I'm not going <laughs> to like it. I'm not going to like it at all. And It's a tough question. That's that's <laughs> like, that's literally like, can I just choose slip my throat kind of question, because <laughs> I have never seen an episode of the Kardashians. I haven't either. So... But Wow. Yeah. I know I wouldn't one. like it, though. <laughs> I'm going to have to take that. Isn't like it amazing me. how most people can come to that conclusion without ever having watched it? They just know that this, this I would rather, you know, stick my arm down a, uh, a food processor than, than have to watch yeah. this show again. <laughs> so. 
Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. That's that's rough. Would you rather go skydiving in a rainstorm or climb the antenna at the top of the Empire State Building on a windy day? Oh, I'll skydive instead. Would you rather be able to breathe underwater or fly? Fly. Would you rather have one wish granted today or three wishes granted in 10 years? One wish granted today. Okay. Would you rather have whatever you are thinking appear in a bubble above your head for everyone to see or have absolutely everything you do be live streamed for everyone to see? Oh, Oh, I'd rather have neither. Um, I had one guest describe that question as coming from the seventh circle of hell. So, yeah, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> once again, we're going to slit the wrists on this one. Um, I guess a thought bubble. Yeah, I don't want to live stream now. <laughs> I understand that. Someone comes up to you and says, hey, Danielle, I'm really curious about this whole martial arts thing what's the first thing you would tell them to do if they were serious about wanting to get into it research uh where they want to go and why they really want to do it where they want to go in terms of uh their career not necessarily the dojo or anything like that the style they want to do it like really research it and why you're doing it are you doing it to get a black belt because you just want to get a black belt or you really want to learn self-defense what is what is it because if you're doing it just to get a black belt because you want a status thing you're not doing martial arts right if you're doing it for self-defense that's a different path in 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 general and in totally entirely that's a different way to go so you may want to think more about a style that maybe doesn't belt so it's different and you also want to take your health into consideration there's certain styles where you're going to be falling like a keto Mm-hmm. So if you have shoulder issues or wrist issues, or maybe you work a lot with your hands, you don't want to do a keto or something where you're going to be break falling. You know, I had a surgeon who was like, I really want to do a keto. I'm like, are you crazy? Your your hands are your life. No, right. that's, that's a bad one. So it, you have to take your lifestyle into consideration as well. You just said something that, that I'd never thought of before, that not all styles are belted. I was always assuming that they were, but I guess they're not. No, um, like Wushu doesn't have a belt system. Certain, like Jeet Kune Do, some places will belt you, other places won't. It kind of depends on the tradition as well. So it's not always a belt system. The belt systems are more Americanized. Okay. So it really does kind of depend. And like I said, you have to take your lifestyle into consideration of, if you're a doctor and, or like I said, a surgeon, somebody who's really working with your hands, you don't want to go somewhere where you have to break boards with your hands for a belt system, for a belt test. That's, I think they did that once on the plastic surgeon, Beverly Hills doctor or something. They showed him like in Taekwondo, like breaking boards. And I'm like, are you out of your mind? Now, granted, you can put the, you can spray the boards with hairspray or you can bake them in the oven. So they're easy. That's the last thing you should be doing. Right. So you have to kind of take your lifestyle and your work into consideration. That's smart. That's smart. Never thought of that. Thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it as well. Oh, it's my pleasure. I was so looking forward to this. If you want to learn more about Danielle, just go out and you can actually go out to Amazon and all her books are out there and you can pick them up. Do you have 
a specific website for you? I wasn't able to track one down or is uh, the only um, one I found was like four horsemen publications, but you're not really uh, with them anymore. No, uh, birth of the Fae.com, but okay. the best place is uh, on Instagram at birth of the Fae underscore novel. That's kind of where all the most recent and current information is. Okay. And that's the best place to find me and kind of hear what's going on and uh, check it out from there. And uh, okay. usually I put up, I'm not as active as I should be. I'm getting better with it, but uh, that's where all this, the information is on me and there'll be new updates coming shortly. Okay, cool. Thank you. Thank you again for doing this. Thank you for watching and listening and we'll see you again next time on The Hydrant. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us on The Hydrant. The Hydrant announcer is Allison Steele. For outstanding VO coaching and voice acting services, visit Allison at allisonsteele.com. That's Allison with a Y and Steele with no E at the end. Shoot me an email with any comments, questions, worthwhile recipes at bigdog at jimcoopervo.com. This episode copyright 2023 by Jim Cooper VO and Nat Lancor Audio, which is solely responsible for its content. No reproduction by writing, recording, reposting, smoke signals, AI voice loading, Morse code, or any other electronic or manual recording method known to man is allowed without prior written consent. Come back and play with us next week as the steady stream of outstanding guests continue at the Hydrant.